Hey, Vida. Hey, Tapia. It is Wednesday. It's our first Wednesday. Wednesday. Yes, it is. It's our first Wednesday. Let the folks know what is happening on a Wednesday. Yes, yes. So this Wednesday is our very first What a Case Wednesdays. I know. I'm excited too. Um, the really great things that's going through that's happening with them right now, but also, you know, a little bit of the past. Yes. Yeah, so this first what a case is gonna go to a really great cause because this month is National Native American Heritage Month. And we are going to shed some light on Native Americans. I definitely dabbled in a as well as, you know, updates on what's happening now and everything. So yeah, so it is National Native American Heritage Month, and there's so much to talk about. And we're just going to go ahead and jump right on in there and just start talking about, you know, the struggles and overcoming the struggles and, you know, give everybody an update on what's going on with the strong people that are, you know, Native Americans. A little bit of the past portion. Yeah, definitely very resilient people. And after hearing some of the stuff that they've gone through, where I'm still like wondering what makes them so strong. But honestly, uh, I've seen some of the social media and seen how uh, lighthearted and um, just cultural and spirited they are. So I think that's what it is. Just having that good, strong family background. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's something that I think I'm starting to realize is just generationally passed down because they've, you know, as a people have been struggling a lot with their culture and trying to um, establish their culture as as a culture worthy to be heard and respected. So it's really interesting and fun learning about the history of, you know, Native Americans and all the different tribes and and everything. So let's get started <laughs> Alrighty, diving deep into it okay so i have found everything going at least with um farming and agriculture because farming is a huge huge part of native american culture ranching it's how they survive it's how they live it's it's a it's a culture that's passed down from family, you know, family member to family member. And it's something that they want kids of future generations to be able to hold on to and continue. And um, I like that farming and ranching is a culture within their culture that they hold very dear to them. Yeah, I definitely agree with that because some of the food that they have, and I really want to go to eat at this one in this place because they're trying to start making Native American food a little bit more mainstream. If we look at like their culinary, we can see how much of their agricultural roots we see through culinary. Because uh, I was looking a little bit about, but they were mentioning how their food can be separated into different periods of time. One being pre-people, pre-colonization, pre-meeting you know meeting outsiders. And then the second phase would be that when they do uh, finally meet another group of people, they do get like sheep and chickens from them. But they gave like squash and tomatoes, vanilla, cacao, beans. I'm missing like probably three more, but they gave a lot of what is the base of some, some really, really popular dishes. And then past those two phases it's the third phase and that's where they're under government and so a lot of their agriculture was taken away from them and they were given land that was not very good as far as agriculture using it so they had to rely on the rations that they were given while they were under that government control sort of say and in that phase third phase of the food you see where some health issues start to come and then keep in mind they're eating processed food 
they're not growing their food anymore. So that connection that they have is slowly being taken away. But now in the phase that there are right now, I mean, they're, they have more liberties and they're able to grow their own food now. And they, now they're at a point where it's a mix of uh, all three. And then when I was doing a little bit of research, uh, one of the things that I, I saw a lot of was a person by the name of Patrick. It's Patrick is a Navajo. And I saw a lot of his YouTube videos because it wasn't just him. Like he would bring different creators and give you like different perspectives of Native American life. And on a few of them where it had the, this group of girls that I'll talk about later, they kept mentioning some piece of food called uh, fried bread. And when I was watching the video that was talking about the different phases of food, they were mentioning fry bread. And there's some people that really like that because it was a, a big part of their culture and that third phase. And then there's people who don't like that because it's also a reminder of like, at that point, that was the point where we weren't allowed to grow our own food and we had to live off of rations. And going on to food now for them, it's a shame because some of those places on the reservations are, are food deserts. They don't have many grocery stores. And then aside from that, they have a lot of fast food options. You can't just isolate that to one location. If you look at America as a whole, like how many fast food joints are you going to pass in one block, you know? Touch on that with, um, you know, I'm going to kind of take it back a little bit there. When you're talking about the fields and growing their own food but talking about you know them not having grocery stores adequate enough grocery stores to actually supply the amount of citizens that are on these um reservations that you know the ones that are actually on their reservations especially yeah and like to just they just don't they, they're not given the right amount of food source and whenever they are like yeah they have some convenience stores and some grocery stores but even then most of those foods that they're getting like you said are processed and they are a lot, they're fatty and they're, you know, they're high in a lot of things. And that just dabbles with, which is, you know, adequate health care, because that plays into it, what you're eating, obviously, you know, um, matters with your overall health. So that one thing definitely trickles into other things that are, that they're struggling with and dealing with and trying to, you know, come out of and being put in that, that box of, they get pretty much the shitty land um, to live off of. But it's really interesting because they did have the Indian Removal Act is that that forced relocation of indigenous people that Andrew Jackson signed in 1830. I believe that's what you were you had mentioned before. That's what the taking of the land was, where they pretty much what they pretty much did was just said, hey, so what we're going to do is we're going to divide up your land, the forced relocation. And, and, and that forced relocation, there's a general allotment act that was done later on a few years later i learned a lot <laughs> about farming let me just tell you <laughs> things I that i never said i would ever know i like no so with that general allotment um or dows dows it's d-a-w-e-s i don't know how to pronounce it act of 1887 pretty much declared indian reservation land to be divided into plots and allocated to indian native americans now, those plots that they decided to take didn't get sold for 25 years. And the land was left over, the land that was left over after the allocation was given to outsiders, pretty much. So they pretty much just made a system to where most of the land that they were, quote unquote, like they were allocating was predominantly given to white, white men, right? white ranchers, white farmers. And in 1903, Lone Wolf v. Hitchcock said Congress could dispose of Indian land without even gaining the consent of the Native Americans, of the people who own the land, which is so weird. But it's insane how much land was lost because of that. So over a span of 50 years, it was about 154 million acres in 1887 that's how much they owned and 50 years later it was only 48 million wow 
Yeah, and that's half a century, 50 years. It's not that long of a time. So a lot of anchors for them to, a lot of anchors, a lot of acres that they lost because of that. And it's crazy because the government is paying for it now, which we're going to hit on how that came back to bite the U.S. government in the motherfucking ass because it did. It really did, which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's really crazy. And that that generationally trickled over into, you know, even into the, the 1900s, 1990s and there was a whole bunch of class action lawsuits going on that were um, accusing the SDA of discriminatory lending, you know, over a 25 year period, like certain things just would trickle from, from pretty much that, that act that was, that was passed. And again, we'll go through it later, but they, they do come back with that act, you know, it does the happy ending here, y'all like, you know, just like, we'll get there though. But pretty much especially with the lending because you know and this is one thing that i think a lot of cultures and a lot of people that have a really like heavy culture you know like influence uh-huh. in their life can really understand is that you are discriminated against whenever you want to get a loan you are discriminated against whenever you want to get a, a business loan you know i have parents who are immigrants from nigeria and they've dealt with it, and I've had to see them deal with it, getting less than their white counterpart who isn't even, you know, up to standards like they are. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it, it's tragic that it's really prevalent. Like, side note, that's that's why Killer Mike is making a bank. He has his bank. If you need an online bank, look up Killer Mike's bank. But, okay, sorry, going back to you. But it's crazy because that's why I've actually noticed a lot of celebrities are making baits now. Like they're starting to get into it and it's, yeah, but so, (laughs) (laughs) but so, yeah, so, you know, with, with the SDA's lending, you know, being discriminatory, um, farmers, they've had to foreclose on land and they've had to leave fields laying fallow. (laughs) I learned that one, which is pretty much um, fields that tend to produce better crops the next year. And they usually rotate, you know, go back and forth between two fields, you know, so it can be year round. You always have, you know, a field that's ready and nice and ready to produce. So they were lo- they were having to have those fields just sit there and get wasted. And they were losing a shit ton of money. Like, <laughs> A shit ton of money. And again, because of that, yes, yes, they did get it back to them. Um, like I said, they're still getting it back to them. But again, we'll go there. We'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah. Starts with, mm-hmm. I guess we're starting our, our topic with saying how their land was taken from them. And that really affected them. Not just necessarily that they don't have a place to live, but their culture, food-wise, was also taken. And I mean that that's like the basis for a lot of who people, what people are. It's the basis of you know, like if you invite someone over and you're sharing your meal, it's a little bit of sharing who you are with them. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, and 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 then talking about land one more time. I'm so sorry. It's it's tragic in some places they're even restricting like how they use the land uh, and they are not allowed mm-hmm. to like fish in certain places, but protests are happening. And I hope that they're able to get much more than just being able to fish on their land and hope they, they still continue to get many, many more blessings. And oh, one more time, one more little side note, isn't it a tragic seeing all the stuff that's happening with those wildfires and then going, them going back to Native Americans and saying, um, did you guys kind of know how to control this? Like, can you kind of show us how to make a little bit of controlled fires so that way when we have these massive wildfires, there's not really much for it to get that massive. Like they did back in the pilgrim days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, please just help us how to fish, like teach us how to fish, how to deal with all these diseases. Like we don't know what to do. Yeah. So helpless. 
history really does repeat itself. Ain't that some shit? Yeah. Let's hope it really repeat itself. Am I right? Am I right? Ugh. I mean, I know, you get right? it. We, it's. I'm. I'm actually really glad that podcasts are coming back, or not. Not, not that podcasts are coming back. Man, I'm really not having word, a way with words today. But I'm really glad that podcasts are appearing more because people are able to share more of their story. And um, that's why if you get to hear some of these stories, you can affect if history gets repeated the same way. Mm-hmm. And I've always been, I used to get made fun of because I was like, man, history is such an important thing as long as it's the right history. Um, and it's really, really something relevant for everybody to learn because one thing I've noticed in the school systems, they it's very uh, whitewashed, let's say, in a way, to where it's always the other people who are the bad guys. And that's a trend I noticed in every history class. Yeah, because um, Manifest Destiny isn't, an idea that's sold to people if it has its flaws you know and it's really I mean it's it's crazy it's it's interesting that um to this day because even even back then that's one thing that they wanted to do as well was um and it was the education system and at the end of the 19th century they uh wanted an erosion of language and customs and dress with the Indian schools. And they were encouraging that. And this is how fucked up it was. So Native Americans were not considered an actual group until 1860. And in the 1850 census, oh, and just just to give like, some kind of um, timeline so you're kind of familiar with with what's happening history during this time. So the 13th Amendment went out. The Emancipation Proclamation happened in 1863. So that's how close together these like revolutions were happening pretty much with um, people of a different cultural background. We'll say that. And we're talking about history repeating itself. This 2020 election Say that they are starting to include tribal affiliations as a subset. CNN had a graph of different races and their uh, percentage on voting and all that. Well, Native Americans were placed under the something else category mm-hmm. in 2020. But um, even though that sounds like it's really, really bad. Yeah, I'm obviously tons of people took offense, right? But they also weren't gonna make. They also weren't gonna have that bring them down. And a lot of them kind of made a joke about it. But we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, and talking about the twenty twenty census, I read that they they actually uh, in questions about race, changing things hopefully in the future. And maybe they're just wanting to get more detailed and actually give the respect that is deserved. But that's one thing that I thought was really interesting. But um, going back to, you know, talking about the census and citizenship with that act that I had uh, mentioned earlier that Mr. Andrew Jackson signed the Indian Removal Act. It was that act actually also promised U.S. citizenship to Native Americans that went with the allotment, that allotment of land that I was talking about earlier if they went with that allotment policy and adopted the habits of civilized life, and that's in quotes. <sighs> so pretty much what that would mean was um, the education in boarding schools, you know, they would start to integrate, <laughs> they would start to integrate the, um, I guess at this time it would be what the European way of education. Yeah. In Carlisle, he actually was quoted saying in a proud voice that the article said was, kill the Indian in him and save the man. And it's crazy because there is a school in Pennsylvania. It was called the School for Indian Children. It was a boarding school. The principal of that school, yeah, it it was the slogan. It was crazy. But, and although it did come pretty late um, in 1924, 
the U.S. Citizenship Act um, was enacted and gave full citizenship to any Native American who, you know, did not acquire it in, in the South when that was getting trickled and spotted here and there. So again, it came pretty late because 1924, it's really not that long ago. <laughs> Um, well, it is, but it's not at the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's not too long ago, but it is pretty long ago. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, but even then, it's still not. You know, poverty is still bad. Um, inadequate housing again, limited healthcare. Schools are overcrowded, and they have no resources. You know, so there's there's a lot. There's a lot to still be that needs to be done. Um, and it's a slow process. I feel like I say this every time that change and, um, you know, it's a slow process getting everything to where it needs to be. But I always say at least something is happening. You know, we can't, I can't complain about the speed of it. At least it's happening. And that's all that we can hope for. Yeah. And about 10 years later, after that U.S. Citizenship Act, John Collier in 1934 made the Indian uh, Reorganization Act, IRA, and that ended the allotment ban that they had on the lands and any further sales on those lands could not be sold and they had to be returned to tribal control. Oh. So that kind of started the domino effect of getting everything given back, you know, or having everything given back to the tribes that had owned those lands. Um, and again, I know we keep saying this, we're a fucking broken record, but we're going to get into it later. <laughs> we're going to get into that part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so their land's taken away, right? Um, they're told mm-hmm. that the education that they have is not adequate for how they want to blend in with people. When A, I don't think at any point they ever wanted to blend in, right? Like, why? We're literally showing you everything. But right. <laughs> and now they are going, you know, and fighting back for their land. And how are they being treated? Good old police brutality. Oh, police brutality. Uh, so yeah, in general, that is a hot topic right now. For sure, for sure. But this doesn't take away from the fact that it's an issue that's happening. Yeah, I mean, as of June 2020, Native American men are four times likely to be imprisoned at a higher rate than than white men, and then women are six times more likely to be imprisoned um, than of you know those of white women, which is a lot of times to be more than you know somebody. So it's definitely a problem. It's definitely a thing, and it doesn't just stop with imprisonment. It goes all the way to kids people brothers sisters husbands wives children sons daughters being murdered by this policeman and like you said we're seeing this happen across the board to be honest and it doesn't seem like age is a factor yeah tragically yeah they're just trigger happy with anybody that doesn't look like them it seems Uh, (laughs) so it's always sad like a young young child you know, being killed by police and when you read about it and hear the brutality and it's just it's just a reminder that we have so we have so much so much more to do. It's just it's so sad. Yeah. We we do have so much more to do because I feel like at at some some part getting closer to the center of what is the root, it's understanding that these are our people and they're people just like the people who hate them you know they were all human at the end of the day and so if you were to see a group of people and think of them as less than then you're already taking less than them being a person that leads to them getting this violence because you don't think of them as a person anymore uh and we need to understand that no they we all are people at the end of the day and i mean this is a campaign that's been going on for a very long time, in um, 1968, the American Indian Movement or AIM was founded, and it was that was to where to raise awareness about police brutality, 
um, and against systemic issues of poverty among Native Americans. And so it's not a new thing. It's not something that's, I hope by now you've realized it's not something that has just popped up. It has been going on. And Native Americans, I feel like, have been kind of fighting the battle by themselves for a really long time. Well, when they were also protesting because they were trying to stop those LNG pipelines in their land, they were treated with, you know, those rubber bullets, those chemical gases, um, mm-hmm. the the water the water hoses. I believe dogs, but I don't know if I was watching that properly. Um, and that's all the stuff that we're seeing now in the protests coming 2020. So yeah, they've they've been fighting that fight, and they they get to see what is the next big thing that's going to be thrown at us before other people do because of how they're treated. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy because they, they joined wholeheartedly and with so much zeal in the black lives matter um, rallies and protests. They were super involved in the George Floyd, you know, notably the George, George Floyd protesting what happened with um, George Floyd. And that's kind of when, I think that's kind of when people started to see that the Native American people and the different tribes needed help. And, you know, slowly but surely, people are starting to open their eyes and realize that, hey, we need to expand who we're protesting for. People be getting all of these feelings. And, you know, I'm saying that, yes, Black Lives Matter, but Native American Lives Matter too. And that was actually a campaign that started in 2014, Native Lives Matter. And they do have a Facebook page, so you can check it out. But it's a thing that we need to make relevant. And we do need to, you know, kind of, I don't, I don't know the correct term, if it would be like, like subculture, all these movements. Like it, it is relevant to have a Native Lives Matter movement. It is relevant to have a Black Lives Matter movement. And they're equally as important. One doesn't trump the other. You know, one doesn't get in front of the other. They're equally important and they both equally, as well as, you know, other movements that are going on in regards to police brutality within cultures, they're all equally relevant and they're all equally important to make change happen. You know, one isn't better than the other. And I, I, it makes me sad that people think that way because it's like you're taking away from the message you're taking away from what is being fought for what you know you're taking away from the lives that are lost at these rallies at these protests because people are still fucking dying at these things like yeah. they're getting killed which i don't want to get confused of taking it away i am an african-american woman for what they believe in and to to just lessen it by saying you know to lessen both of the movements or all of these movements that are that are being like all these uh movements that are being thrust being out there kind of belittling some of them. yeah and it's just it's just it's so fucking annoying because it's like bro are you even listening to what these people are yelling about crying about you have mothers who are already seeing before you know because there's so many there's um one that in particularly made me just so distraught over which was um, I hope I say his name right, but it's Mahi Vis, good, good blanket. And he has mental episodes and he was having one one day and his parents just couldn't control him. And the little brother was getting scared. So they called the police just to help contain. I'll say that just to help contain. And they said that it was the most regretful thing that they did because the police ended up shooting him to death. He was 18 years old. He shot seven times. It was a big guy because when I was reading the police interviews, they were like, well, it's this big ass. He was 6'8", 250 oh, pounds at least. Um, yeah, so he was a big guy, and that's what they used. They used that against him. Oh, it was this big 6'8", giant. A gentle giant. And literally, and it's like, well, if the parents are saying he's having a mental episode, you know, why were the guns yeah. drawn? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Why Why were the guns drawn? Why were they cocked? Why were they shot seven times? Why was this man 
this young man shot seven times when his parents were just asking for help in, you know, helping him with this mental episode because they they just couldn't deal with this one episode because I'm sure he's had plenty before in the past and I'm sure that they've dealt with it. But this episode was big and they said it was a misunderstanding. He pretty much was confused. Um, his girlfriend was there and he thought she was breaking up with her and he kind of <sighs> lost it. And yeah, and they just wanted help in calming him down pretty much. And they said that they regret calling the police because it ended up in their son being killed. And that just recently happened in June. So yeah, that like hearing those stories, it's just like, man, you're regretting calling the police for help. But like, that's what the police are there for. They're supposed to help. And it's so sad that that what they thought they were doing to help their son um, ended up being, and, and they did. It wasn't them. It was the police officers because they did help their son. They did do the, what they were supposed to do and call the police because the police are supposed to help. They're supposed to help and protect and make sure, you know, keep you safe. He wasn't a threat. The Like the mother was yelling, don't kill my son, don't kill my son. And it was just, it was really sad. It was just, and there's so many stories about that. And um, that's another thing. That's crazy. In, in reading this and learning about this, there's so many similarities in the African-American community um, with mental health and how mental health isn't being talked about enough to where people are getting enough help. Because one trend that I noticed was a lot of these poor souls had mental health problems and they were in the middle of an episode. And it's like... <laughs> Like, call an EMS. I don't understand. Like, aren't they supposed to be the ones to help? Like, I feel like there's certain protocols that should that should be whenever mental health is is brought forth as as the cause of you know an yeah. Outcome. There there are some places that are trying to test out a little bit of a different program, in where if it's a call like that, they will send out a social worker and a police officer. Uh, just so that way the social worker can like kind of help and talk them down. And then if anything were to happen, then the police officer is there, but also to take a different approach and, you know, you're not alone in trying to help talk this person down. And so I'm glad that there's trying that approach because yeah, if, if the, if the thing is that that the approach that we have right now is not helping then we need to look at that or you need to revisit that. Right. Exactly. Because, I mean, like I said, this just happened in June. So it's still an ongoing thing that, I mean, I'm glad that the steps, like you said, are being taken and that they're doing something hopefully about it. And it'll become integrated into all police stations where there's a certain protocol that needs to be made when it comes to situations where a mental health um, individual is you know being the aggressor because yeah. they're having an episode yeah so that needs to be a thing because you know these people have kids they have people that love them and just some of them are getting like killed in front of their mothers you know houses and their moms are coming out to their kids their babies like dead and it's just it's heartbreaking because none of it is necessary like none of it yeah is- none of it is necessary and you were mentioning how the native americans uh, and the black community as well, they were seen as like uh, aggressor or violent. And I think uh, part of it has to do with the fact that they've been treated so badly. So now it they're seen as stronger because they've gone through more. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you should be aggressive towards them. If anything, you should understand that they've gone through more. They need some help. Like you just keep piling this you know weight on them this doesn't mean that they're just gonna magically get stronger it means that they're person as well and they need the help right exactly exactly and that's the thing though is that a lot of a lot of these people who cannot understand what it's like to be a person of color they don't see people of color as people um and that's a generational thing that's passed down like, it's not just they wake up one day and they're like, oh, I'm going to do this. <laughs> like, that's, that's something that's been passed from generation. And it's just, it's just crazy. It's, it's just really, 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 really crazy. So 
we've talked about, you know, a a good amount of negative aspects and we kept saying, we're going to come back to this. So let's get back to this. Resilient group of people. And they they did not. They did. They kept fighting their, um, what's it called? Generations after the generations who were Mm -hmm. fighting continued the fight and made sure that they, they carried on what their ancestors and the people before them and their elders were fighting for and to make sure that it was not done out of nothing. Like they wanted something to come out of it. And boy, I know. I mean, this year alone, there are six native candidates that are in Congress. Um, They are also having their breakout moment on social media right now, especially with TikTok and Instagram. And of course, a little bit of YouTube content. And I'm really, really glad that they're making it as influencers because then guess what? That money is going to help break some of that generational trauma because they're going to share back with their community. Uh, they're, they're a group of people that understand yep. that you're nothing without your, your community. So they're definitely going to give back. Yeah. And speaking of money, <laughs> you remember those lands that I was talking about earlier that was taken from all these different uh-huh. tribes and allocated out? Mm-hmm. Well, a little act that I said started kind of started it all, that 1934 Indian Reorganization Act or IRA that ended that, allo- ended that allotment band. So that act was accepted by 174 out of 252 tribes and it sold a hundred thousand landless indians so it gave a hundred thousand landless indians back amen amen but it does not stop there just keep i'm gonna keep it going lord roll so in the past few years i would say that, that there's a farm bill that was passed in 2018 and what that did is it had 63 provisions for um, organized tribe tribal governments and it specifically focused on food production food security and food infrastructure so pretty much tribal colleges they were given access to agriculture research funds um they also their government because you know they're they becoming little governments um their tribes are you know their own yeah. government some tribes are so they have joined the international trade delegations. And I know you mentioned earlier that they have started trading. So it's a full circle there. And they frequently defer from state laws, which is a big thing because state laws were the main things that were keeping this culture down or the state laws majority of the time. So they were deferred from that, as in it doesn't apply to them anymore. So they're pretty much free to do whatever the fuck they want with hey. their land. A. In 2010, though, there was a civil rights settlement. Yes, you heard me right. A settlement. And the U.S. government was to pay $680 million in damages for 20 years of systemic discrimination. About time. Right? And keep it going. Okay. I'm going to keep it going. Maybe <laughs> don't tell me twice. There were 100 successful claims. We'll get that. So good amount, definitely not as much as claims, but they're, they're still working on it because, you know, I, I got some more updates. In 2014, they actually regranted the remaining $380 million to Native American nonprofit organizations. And in 2016, they distributed 76 million in cash and tax payments to original claimants. So people who originally made those claims on the the lands and how they want to get their lands back, they distributed 76 million to those people. And 30 million of that was given to nonprofits that were chosen by those claimants. And they also endowed the trust that the Native American community had gained. They endowed it with $265 million. Dang. I was going to say, as of September 16, 2020, the Native American Agricultural Fund is at $15 million, And they have 
112 projects that were granted a total of $15 million under that, the Native American Agricultural Fund. So what that was able to do, what that did was completely revert. Remember that little thing I was talking about how the USDA was picking mm-hmm. and choosing who they could lend to? But it happened in the 90s, in the late 90s. So that they were finally able, farmers and ranchers were finally able to gain access to credit and financing, which means that because of that, they were able to better the community food system and they were also able to fund tribal efforts and build value-added agricultural businesses. And what that means, those are those stores that we're talking about. They're able to start getting con- like stores that actually had good food in them, agricultural businesses, food from their own lands. So strides, yeah. big strides. When I tell you, I'm so happy to see that they not only were called out on their bullshit <laughs> for taking the land, but they had to pay and give it back. Like, when I tell you, I almost cried for joy. I was like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Something and that was because they didn't stop. Like I said, that the class action lawsuit um, with that USDA discri- discriminatory lending happened in 1999. But... Again, like I stated, everything started pretty much in the 1700s. So it's a fight that they continued to fight. And they didn't stop. No matter what generation came up, they didn't stop. Yeah, they're doing great. I mean, right now we were all affected by COVID, but their local nonprofits did really well in helping the community. Because, yes, I mean, they're still trying to get past this food insecurity. So a lot of their um, nonprofits right. would be a donation site and then they'd have the, their distribution days. So definitely bouncing back. And I'm excited to see what their input in Congress brings to the table because now they have a, a much a bigger voice. And, and I'm glad that they are having their moment mm-hmm. and we're getting to learn more about their culture because some of the things that they're doing um, are really encouraging and inspiring. Uh, going back to COVID, there are a group of female dancers. They're called uh, Jingle Dancers. Yeah, they are spreading the message of of healing through the dance. And um, through that, they're going around and and sharing, you know, a little bit of what they're doing with their Jingle Dance project. And um, they had a moment where they asked other people to submit videos of them doing their dances and their regalia and all that good jazz. And it was beautiful to see all the different uh, styles of clothing and the different dances and see everyone get together. I mean, through their own video, right? Six feet apart. <laughs> of course, social distancing. I'm taking that shit seriously. But yeah, it's so good to see. And I've now, I'm definitely not as good at social media as you are. So, like, I tried to, I don't know how to look for things <laughs> on social media, actually look for things and how to find them. Like, I'll think if you put it in a search bar, obviously it's going to pop up, but nothing that I ever am actually looking for pops up. So, I'm still not really sure how social media works, but I did find a couple, <laughs> literally a couple. I don't even know how it was Um, but couple where I was able to you know see the dances and and see the different garments that were worn and headpieces and all these things different sounds and different movements and so I'm here for it like shoot I need to have San Antonio San Antonio needs to have like some kind of Native American festival yeah definitely i want to see the hoop Um, dancers and i want to just see people like just dancing around really because it reminds me back when i was going to raves back in the before days (laughs) (laughs) the good old days but yeah, the hoop dances. I can't even like hula hoop with one. They're making they're, like, like different animals out of them, or making them into one big ball. Like how? Like I was just like how? exactly like how? <laughs> like I can barely handle one. How is this possible? What's going on? 
somebody put me in the know is there a class right take? Like, and she think that they wanted to take away their education like no please please keep showing us like why it's and it's so funny they act like their education you know white people are europeans i guess like, <laughs> politically correct act like you know their education was actually some shit to like like go over i don't know it's just weird because i'm like you know here are people who are learning how to survive <laughs> teaching how to survive and you're talking yeah. about your education is better i'm I'm reading a book about breathing Bye. right now, and in the beginning, they're mentioning how uh, you you find about breathing in um, ancient uh, scriptures and writings and all that good jazz. And they the Native Americans did talk about breathing and that you're not supposed to be breathing through the mouth because that brings in negative energy. And I'm like, you see, like they had so much knowledge back then. Of the, of the simplest things and that's the stuff that we're fighting for now like like the simplest bits of knowledge mm-hmm. little tidbits of things yeah and it's nice it's nice to hear it's nice to learn the different types of of beliefs and learning about the different tribes as well like um and it's like i'm saying it like i'm not from a tribe myself like i like i don't know why like there's there's a lot of times in Africa too, so I'm just like, why yeah. any different? <laughs> I didn't. I I don't know. It was weird, but but yeah, there's like a, there's like a lot. So I I loved I loved watching and learning um, different pieces of clothing, what they meant, um, who wore Work. what, and what oh, it God. meant. Like everything was everything is significant. Like nothing is for anything. It's not just to to. Put on for oh yeah and then when they talk about uh well when the males talk about braiding their hair and the significance of that as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and hair braiding is definitely a big thing in um a lot of cultures and they all mean that's that's why i just i love learning about different cultures and why why it's pre- why it's so um important and is the word prevalent is that the word I'm thinking of? So definitely, I mean, hair is prevalent in, in so many different cultures. So in reading this, like, there's so many things I was able to connect on. And that was one of them, um, was the significance of, of hair braiding and different hair braiding styles. And if it's for men, the ones for men and the ones for women. And what they all meant and everything like that. And so, yeah, I was, that was one aspect that I was super, super excited um, and I didn't get a deep dive too into it because I had to do other research. <laughs> um, but I definitely am going to like go back and really, really like read about it and honestly compare it to, you know, what I grew up with and understanding when it came to braids and, you know, how important braiding, braiding was for my ancestry background. And that's, that's the one thing that I just really liked was the parallels of Native American culture to my culture. And it made me feel super, super connected to them as a whole. So that was really lovely to read and to learn about and understand further. Um, so I, I really enjoyed this What A Case Wednesday. And I'm so glad it was our first What A Case Wednesday. Because I learned a lot. I learned a lot. Yeah, I'm really glad it was our first What A Case Wednesday as well. Like, And it's crazy how the time clicked and synced up to it being Native American Heritage yeah. Month. And I mean, living in the United States, like I have to know who Native Americans are. Like that's that's the beginning of where we come from. Like that's why most of us are here. So yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Alrighty. So just to give you guys some insight, if you wanted to follow any um, people on social media, or if you wanted to see where we got some of our information from, we are gonna have links on there. Uh, for articles for websites that can help you out about nonprofits, and then just people uh, people's social media so you can get different aspects of what life is like for Native Americans from different places yeah, yeah. and um, just to peep it and keep it um, slip it in there there is a a uh, release fatality database as in the amount the people that the police have killed regardless of situation there's also a link included there with that. So if you want to check out just to keep yourself up to date on 
what's going on with the police brutality and, um, you know, checking names, everything like that. Um, condolences to all the family members who lost anybody on that on those lists and that database because it's a lot of people. But yeah, go check out those links. Go check out the social medias and um, learn about the, the dances. That's the one thing that I really, really enjoyed seeing on social media um, when I was able to it was yeah. the, the dancing and how they're putting it out there on, on social media and, and educating people because it's not just putting it out there. They're also informing people of what they mean and why they do it. And if you want to learn, then this is how it goes. So I love that they're embracing everybody into their culture i love it so much they are uh, really uh embracing and uh i just wanted to mention you know past post covid when that day gets here i had seen that they have you know a lot of really good festivals and it's not just like you know them dancing and stuff like actually artists go you know well-known artists go and you get to try some of their mm -hmm. awesome food uh learn about you know, a little bit of their culture and then just vibe with them as everyone sees a really well-known artist. Yeah. So, yeah. See a side to the Native American community that people have been refusing to see for centuries. Well, that was our first Ooh, what a case. Um, thanks for it's our first what a case Wednesday. Thanks for in the face. bucket, in the hole, we got that shit done. Hey. <laughs> dunked yeah but thanks for making it the whole way um thanks for listening if you want to subscribe no one's stopping you i'm letting you know that yes. right now in fact i'm encouraging you but hey your body mm -hmm. your choice completely and if you made it this far and um go check out our other episodes we have a feel good friday that we did two fright two fridays ago and movement monday that was done last monday and we actually have our second episode of feel good friday coming up this week i'm excited it's for it too excited. <laughs> but yeah for those who have subscribed thank you guys so much and literally <laughs> we are just excited to have anybody listen to our podcast let alone subscribe to it so thank y'all go check out our link we I also know. have a patreon um if you want to help our podcast grow go ahead and donate or share if you're not able to donate you can share the podcast share the patreon it helps us that way as well but yes i just finger gunned at my ipad <laughs> <laughs> well I'm Zabia. And I'm Vita. And this is the TV show podcast. Thanks for Thank listening. Bye.